Hey everybody, this is your host, Matt Castellini, and welcome to Chicago Capital. We have a great episode lined up today, but before that, a word from our sponsors, World Business Chicago. In 2021 alone, local founders have raised more than $5 billion in VC dollars, making Chicago a national destination for founders, investors, and innovators. As the city of Chicago's economic development organization, World Business Chicago drives growth and opportunity for our local tech economy and innovation ecosystem through its flagship programs such as the Chicago Venture Summit, Startup Chicago, Think Chicago, and Venture Engine. Learn more via worldbusinesschicago.com. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us on Chicago Capital. It's a pleasure to have the third person from Chicago Ventures on the show. <laughs> You're making uh, making the rounds. It's so nice to be here, Matt. Thanks for inviting me on. We are making the rounds. I feel like we're going to have everybody on by Christmas at this point. So Do it. Let's get and ourselves the- out there, you know? If you guys have a podcast studio that's not being used on a regular basis at the CV offices, I mean, I'm just saying. We don't. I think 1871 does, though, don't they? Or they did at one point. Yeah, they've been on my list for a while to badger them about their podcast studio because I've had a ton of their founders on and I've, I've yet to really go full throttle at trying to get in there. But that's on my list. That's on my list. Um, well, thank you so much for hopping on. I, I'd love to kick things off with a little bit of your background. But first, I know you're a Miami of Ohio grad. And given that we're in Chicago and about the Chicago ecosystem, there's just tons of you everywhere. Um, but I have to ask for you, what was your favorite spot on campus at Miami, Ohio to uh, hang out during your college days? It's been a long time since I've been on campus. So, you know, I'll think back to like early 2006 or so when I graduated. Um I mean, I'm a fan of a, a good dive bar, but I think most college bars are dive bars. So, you know, maybe couching that as such. I was I was a CJ's fan um, for any other Miami <laughs> listeners. Um, but, you know, the go to spot on on, well, I guess just off campus and, and what is downtown Oxford, which is literally a street is um, is is uh, bagel and deli. Right. It's like the steamed bagel late night. Oh, my place. God. And if. If Chicagoans are familiar with with CBA here in Chicago, it's modeled basically exactly after Bagel and Deli. I think there is some connection with the owners. So yeah, that's that's the spot if you're in Oxford. I had always thought it was the same owner. Like I was convinced for years it, that it was the same it, owner. I think it is. I don't know. I don't know the story behind it, but it's basically the same menu. You know, it's like the same setup. So yeah, very similar. You guys were so spoiled for having that directly on campus. <laughs> it's that's the greatest college food known to man. I swear to God, it is. It is. And now people eat it for like you know all meals of the day rather than at two a.m. like you do as a college yeah. student. So yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd love to talk about, you know, post Miami of Ohio, uh, you know, you, you, you're currently a partner at Chicago Ventures, um, you lead their platform operations, which we'll get all into, um, you know, I think you're, you're one of the few people we've had on the show who, who sort of uh, run the operations post investment, um, you know, with respect to VC firms and their activities with their portfolio companies. But I think we'd, we'd love to talk about kind of your early career and, and how you got to this point. Yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, I think like many VCs and many of your guests, at least that I've listened to, I have a winding, circuitous route to venture that 
you know, it's funny, you go back and talk to 22 year old students that want to know how you got into venture and they want this clear path. And I can paint a story that's like, oh, I put all of these things in place and they got me here very, you know, intentionally, but it was, it was not, not the most intentional. Um, so I grew up in, in Northeast Ohio. I am a Midwesterner through and through, uh, have been in Chicago for 15 ish years now, um, moved here right after graduation in 2006, have basically lived in like the same one mile radius since um, since I moved here too. So you know, love love this city. Have become involved with with you know a handful of kind of diverse different efforts over the last decade and a half. So that I've been here, but I started my career in marketing and comms. So I, I had a double major at Miami in English and journalism, and then in strategic communication, which basically meant PR. Um, when I was in school, I worked on the school newspaper. Like was involved in a bunch of different stuff. I thought I was either going to be a journalist or or work in PR. Um, I landed at this this fairly small communication agency out of school that was maybe six people. Like it kind of ebbed and flowed over the year or so that I was there. But this was this was 2006, so this was like you know Facebook. If we're talking about social, at least like Facebook had only been around for a couple of years. Like Twitter did not exist yet. Um, but we were doing like all things digital, we'll just call it, and also writing and design. So we were building and creating websites. We were um, like writing tech technical manuals. I remember writing a white paper for a bank about like the interoperability of banking systems. Like frankly, stuff that I didn't know anything about, but but and here's the like me now charting a path to venture. I was kind of thrown in a scenario where I didn't really know a lot services business. So we were, you know, working with clients who are paying us to produce work for them. So quickly had to get up to speed. We're doing a lot of work in kind of the banking and finance industry um, and tech too, for that matter. Motorola was a big client at the time. But we also did like really wild stuff. We did um, some ghost writing for like the For Dummies books. If, if you recall when those were like physical books, which it's funny, like that, those, those are ghost written by people like me who know like not a whole lot about, you know, a certain topic. So which topic started... were you the ghost writer for? Have to know. <laughs> so we, we wrote, we wrote the, at least part of it, Kabbalah for dummies. Remember when <laughs> Kabbalah was like a, a thing in, yeah. I don't know, the public sphere, I don't know, a bunch of, a bunch of celebrities were like really into Kabbalah. Um, so yes, we basically got exposed to a bunch of different things back in like 2006, 2007. I was only there about a year. Um, you know, worked really autonomously as a 22 year old. Like I was throwing projects and just trying to figure them out on a small team, um, pretty forward thinking team. We definitely talked a lot about like innovation and tech and entrepreneurship internally. Um, the, the founders of the business were, you know, entrepreneurs of course themselves, but I ended up moving into another strange industry, which is the intellectual property industry. So I took this role at a company that was um, an effectively an investment bank focused on intellectual property, mostly patents. And um, it was kind of a mid-sized firm. It was built around this expert testimony practice, but we kind of built some tangential businesses around, around the expert tes testimony practice. And I primarily, though I was in a marketing role, worked on the tra transactions team where this was kind of this other innovative thing. Again, a services business, it was trying to build out like some products for the, the you know, customers and clients that we were serving. So we launched the world's first intellectual property auctions, which sounds boring and strange, but it was like actually very cool <laughs> at the time. The concept was 
hey, there's no transparency to this like transaction marketplace. Nobody knows how to value a patent. We don't know what stuff is worth. We don't know who's buying what and how it's transacting. And, you know, all these things, these big companies are like buying up pools of patents, um, you know, on a, on, a, on a daily basis. So we wanted to create like a little bit of buzz around it. And, um, you know, I was on this team that it felt very much like a, like a product driven startup in many ways, like a bunch of young people working really hard, like ping pong in the office at night, you know, all of that stuff, like 2007 to 2009. Um, a lot of fun, wild ride for sure. We, there's, there's still this kind of mafia that came out of this, this, um, company now, lots of these people are out doing like really cool things, starting companies in the tech scene, whatever. Um, however, I was, I was definitely hit by the 2008, 2009 financial crisis. I mean, it, it hit us pretty hard. Um, luckily my boss at the time on the marketing team, Wendy kind of saw the writing on the wall and said, you know, I've been in this industry for a long time. I know the thing that I am really good at is um, still going to be needed. I'm just going to like spin out and start my own thing. And she luckily took me with her. Um, so I was kind of, you know, we were partners in crime for about four years um, post, post that company and just ran our own thing for four years. I was working from home. We were doing a lot of the same work we were doing at our previous job, but just, um, you know, the two of us. So it was kind of full stack marketing. Marketing had like evolved, you know, slightly from 2006 when I entered the industry. Um, so we're doing everything from like, you know, marketing strategy development um, with, frankly, a lot of our old buddies in the industry, doing events, you know, doing social, doing, you know, building websites, doing content, doing communications, um, all these things that like the law firms or the brokers or the associations that we were working with just didn't really have the core competency to do, but knew like, hey, you know, we think that we should be doing a better job <laughs> kind of in, in market and, and serving our customers. So we... Though we were, you know, consultants, we were like, we were executing, we were like in-house basically, you know, we had email addresses for these companies and stuff. So, so did that for, for a few years with her. And um, this is how I worked my way into venture. So maybe like some common threads along the way, but um, I, you know, it was just the two of us. Like I was nearing 30. I was like, okay, I think it's time to think, although I loved very much, like had an incredible working environment with her and she's still a dear friend and mentor was not the most passionate about the IP space. It was something that I had tumbled into and was like, okay, I want to start thinking about what I really am passionate about, what I care about. Um, I didn't know that it was venture at the time, but I knew that one, I was really bullish on Chicago, not as like a tech ecosystem necessarily, but just as like a city doing interesting things. I had started getting involved with some nonprofit stuff while I was, um, you know, in that, in that role, just because I had like, I was working from home. I had like time at night. I was, you know, in, in my twenties, um, so I started doing some nonprofit work. Um, I definitely became a fangirl of like the nascent but burgeoning tech ecosystem in Chicago. So I was like, okay, I'm following everyone on Twitter. When 1871 opened, I remember reading the TechCrunch piece and being like, this is so cool. Like I was, I was following it along. I always had like my random like tumblers and side hustles and stuff I was like thinking about or working on. Um, and I had an opportunity in late 2013 when I was like, okay, I, you know, I think I want something new. I think it should overlap with Chicago in some way. I don't think I want to go work for a nonprofit because there's a lot of limitations there, but I'm interested in some sort of like mission-driven organization. Um, I know that I thrive in a small environment. I could not go work for a big company. Um, and I want to like build something. So I, as, as, as I was saying, I got introduced to um, not anybody at Chicago Ventures, but Kevin Willer's wife, Victoria Willer, as a, you should go meet Vic. She's awesome. Like she has this incredible career too. 
just sit down with her and like see if she has any ideas for you. And about five minutes into the conversation, she's like, you should quit your job and, and just go go work for my husband at Chicago Ventures. I was like, what? You know, sometimes it's embarrassing telling that story now because it like never happens that way anymore. But it was it was just you know, right time, right place. I think I'd also set myself up to like be the person that they needed at that time. I said, okay, what's the job? She was like, no idea. You know, I don't know. They want somebody to come like do marketing. You seem like you have an interesting background. I could tell like high energy, whatever. So I talked to Kevin, I talked to Stuart who are, you know, the uh, half the team at the time and I guess did something to impress them. Um, looking back, like our hiring process is like 10 times more rigorous. So I don't know that I would have gotten my job today, but I do remember them saying like, okay, we don't really know what we want. We think we want somebody to come in and do marketing, which we can talk about that transition from like marketing the platform. Um, Cause we're watching these other, you know, coastal firms do all this work, but we want to make sure that you like, don't need a lot of like management. <laughs> I distinctly remember Kevin calling me a few times saying, you know, are you sure you're going to be cool? Like just kind of figuring stuff out and me being like, I have worked on my own for four years. Yes, I think I'll be fine. And, and that has worked, you know, worked to my benefit over the years. So yeah, that's how I got to CV. I think like common threads are, you know, I'd always been exposed to like innovation and entrepreneurship, just like mindset in some way or another. I mean, even in the patent space, I was working with individual investors who are, you know, who are investors, inventors rather, who are inventing and like right building, you know, um, uh, building software and non-software products, but getting, getting them patented, which was wild. So there's always kind of that mindset. And then the kind of the small company thing too. Like I, I don't do well with bureaucracy. Um, I am action oriented sometimes like that. Sometimes it works against me, but <laughs> in some ways I'm like, so action oriented that I just want to like drive and get something done. And that is very much venture aligned too, which I'm sure you have, uh, you know, you have realized over the past few months. So those things kind of like built, you know, kept building on themselves until, you know, eight years ago when I started at CV, which now this is the longest job, you know, the longest time I've ever been in any job. <laughs> no, I think I love that you tied all those strings together. And you, it seems like you have some really great kind of um, characteristics that you took away from each job and each role you had and why they all sort of culminated in the role you have today. I definitely love your point about action orientation and kind of the comments you made about working at a big company. Um, it's just something that I, a lot of listeners I know are in the process of trying to figure out what they want in their career and they're, you know, interested in venture. Um, but I, but I think that's, that's such a, such a great point you made. I did actually have a, a question about, you mentioned kind of when 1871 went up, you know, checking out the TechCrunch blog. And it's 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 really cool that you have sort of been following the ecosystem for over the past 10 years. Um, as somebody who hasn't, uh, who, who who's more new to the Chicago tech ecosystem in the past couple of years, are there any other kind of like big seminal moments you can remember from like the early 2010s, um, you know, aside from 1871, that you feel like were defining moments that, you know, you, you remember vividly? Hmm. That's a good question. I think, you know, we're at a point where there's just like more and more and more of everything, but I also think it's more mature and refined. So, um, you know, I remember at one point I had like a silly business idea that I never actually did anything with it, but I sat down, this was probably, I don't know, 2012 or something. And I sat down with a friend who, he must've worked for a startup at the time. And he was like, you know, the group, because I was like, how do I get money for this? What do I do? And he was like, well, the, the Groupon guys have this venture capital firm. And I was like, 
cool. How do I go talk to them? And he was like, I, you know, like, well, you, you kind of need more than just like you just wanting to do something. And that was kind of like one of my first introductions, like, oh, there's actually people investing in early stage startups. How the heck does this, does this work? And so, you know, I, I just, I remember that. And, and that was couched very much as the Groupon guys, the Groupon guys are like giving money to founders um, or entrepreneurs. I don't even know if like I thought of it as founders at the time. Um, so that, that was probably one. Um, trying to think if there are others, nothing else really like springs to mind from that time. I, I do remember, you know, the innovation awards that are still around, but them, they really like, I felt like they had a foothold in the industry for so long. I mean, my the IP company I was at won an innovation award. I remember being like, oh, this is like a really cool thing back in, I don't know, 20, 2007 or something, 2006. Um, and so that has seemed like it's been an institution that's been around for a long time and just continuing to like showcase, um, you know, different types of companies that are doing things maybe a little bit differently. So it's been fun to watch kind of that programming evolve over the years. For sure. No, we've had some guests on the show mention the Innovation Awards and attending them, I think, this year. So um, it's definitely it's definitely been top of mind in the past couple of months. But I'd love to um, touch on the role you have today and, and sort of the larger platform model within which you work. I think that's something that you anyone following venture capital today, especially, you know, you hear a lot about platform models, you hear a lot about platform plus capital. I, I think it's a lot, it's a very hot topic right now on VC firms trying to build out a platform model mm -hmm. if they didn't have one before or really, you know, um, marketing their current one that they do have. So if you could just, you know, walk us through in your mind, like what a platform model is um, as it pertains to, you know, a venture capital firm strategy. Yeah, I'm happy to. And I can talk about this for a long time. So I will try to keep it thorough, but brief enough. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll have some play you <laughs> off music like they do at the Oscars and kick yeah, the right? over. <laughs> uh, you know, the dirty secret in, in venture, in my opinion, is like, I think this is the best, the best role in venture, especially if you're kind of a builder at heart. I mean, certainly people that are starting funds are, are builders, they're, they're entrepreneurs, they're founders, they're, they're launching something from the ground up. But when you sit in a platform role, especially if you have an operating background, it's so fun because you get to like, quote unquote, do both, um, you know, and I'll call it just investing and operating uh, the, the high level of what platform is and how I think about it is, you know, this platform function is really anything that works post investment to help entrepreneurs after a venture firm has invested. And that manifests in a lot of different ways that is different at probably every single firm at Chicago Ventures. Um, we don't, we're a small team, you know, you know, much of our team, there's, there's six, seven of us in total. Um, and so there's not really like a hard line between, okay, you're in the investors and then Lindsay, your platform. It's, it's definitely more of a kind of a gray area where we're all working with the portfolio, you know, during a sourcing diligence process, during a pitch process, and then post investment too. The role at Chicago Ventures is really, you know, I am the person that has the, 50,000 foot view across the entire portfolio and can kind of, you know, see patterns, connect the dots across. We have 50, 51 portfolio companies right now um, and do it at scale. Whereas, you know, some of my partners, they take board seats, like they're working, they're going really, really deep with a handful of companies any given time. So, you know, that's how I think about separating it or just kind of defining it. Um, again, it's a little bit different at every firm. And I think the thing to keep in mind is, I mean, I, <laughs> I have 
multiple conversations a week with new firms who are like, oh, we want to spin up, you know, we want to spin this up. What should we do? What does it look like? Right. And, you know, I definitely have, have some advice that, that I always share about. I think the thing to keep in mind is like platform as a concept is not new. It's like the, the flashy, splashy title right now. Oh, like we have, we have platform, we have the services model, but the reality is like venture as an industry has always been helping the founders in their portfolio. Like, it's not like all of a sudden Andreessen popped up in 2009 and we were like, oh my God, this is cool. We should have the services model. It's just been packaged a little bit differently. And like Andreessen really was the catalyst for some of this, right? But there are other firms that have been doing it um, maybe under a different title for a long time. I mean, the USV has had a GM, like a GM of network. Um, and so they were doing this for a really long time. They just didn't have the platform title, which, you know, this platform title director of platform was taken from, you know, engineering, right? I meet a lot of engineers who are like, what the heck? You're not, you're not a director of platform. I'm like, well, you know, it's different. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's like many things, it's kind of a, of a made up title to um, try and bring, I guess, some clarity to a function that's really been around for a while. Do you feel like today, in today's environment, there is a, from the founder's perspective, uh, a greater interest in or a greater um, desire for, you know, a venture capital partner with a platform model? Is that what's driving kind of, as you said, more firms trying to build this out? Do you think it's like a factor of capital becoming commoditized? There's just so much money out there in the ecosystem. VC funds have to do whatever they can to differentiate themselves. Um, how do you sort of view this sort of progression that's gone on over the past couple of years? Because it really does feel like it's it's everywhere now. Like every VC fund has yeah. has touted its platform model everywhere I look. So I'm just curious your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's all the above everything, everything you mentioned, you know, we're, we're selling money. So <laughs> capital is very much a commodity. It's, you know, the way we think about it is like, we're all, or at least I do is we're all doing the same thing. It's just who can do it better. It's about, it's like with a startup, like everybody can have the same freaking idea for Uber or Airbnb or whatever. It's who's actually out there executing and being successful. And so I don't think there's like much secret sauce to it. It's like, okay, if we're all helping portfolio companies, we're all selling the same thing you know, fine, great, you know, may the best firm or person win when it comes to winning a deal or post investment or whatever it is. So yeah, I think, I think that's a big piece of it. It's, you know, it's brand building, it's um, a way we think about it, which I haven't heard many others kind of verbalize it this way. But I think this is probably, you know, at the core of why they do it is, in the short term, helping portfolio companies be successful is is great. Like if you help a company hire, if you help them land a customer, if you help them like connect to somebody who can figure out their problem a little bit quickly or more quickly than they would have been able to figure it out on their own, that's a win for everybody. They love us, you know, everybody's, everybody's happy. That's pretty obvious. I think the less obvious, um, but the way that like we've been doing this really intentionally since 2014 is... As you know, this is a highly network-driven business, um, and in some, you know, some respects, like success begets success. So, if we are building massive networks across our portfolio, where yeah, we have 50 CEOs, but we also have 50, you know, CTOs or heads of engineering. We also have 50 CMOs, and then you count all the people underneath them. There are thousands, tens of thousands of people that have worked for Chicago Ventures portfolio companies. So, if we can connect them to the right folks, if we can create some some touch points with them and build relationships with them, the hope is that in three, five, 10 years, when they're like, oh, great, I just exited Cameo or Project 44. I was a C-suite or a director or a VP there. And now I'm going to go start my own thing. Like, 
I'm going to talk to Chicago Ventures, right? I'm going to talk to Lindsay or I'm going to talk to whoever because I have a relationship with them. Or, you know, I'm going to go work for another startup. Like, who should I get plugged into? I'm going to go talk to Chicago Ventures because I know them. So that's the long-term play. We are seeing it, you know, we're seeing it work. I mean, it is like, you know, one at a time you start to see these successes. Um, It is like, it's like venture itself, which is, man, you got to put in the work up front and you, and you don't know if it's going to work or if you're very good at it for maybe a decade. So, uh, you know, committing yourself to this industry is like not, you know, not something that most people I think do for just, just a year or two, or maybe they figure out after a year or two, it's time to move on because it's, it's, it's a long-term commitment. No, definitely, definitely. Um, I, I, I would love to dive in a little bit into kind of your day to day activities. Uh, it seems like there's so many things that that you know get rolled up into the platform model. But on a day to day sort of basis, what are some of the you know things that you're involved with with your portfolio companies? What does kind of a day look like for you? I'm sure no one day is the same, but um, are there some general sort of work streams that you're sort of assisting portfolio companies with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the fun part of this job, isn't it? It's like, wow, you have to multitask like wild. And I feel like I've been doing it more more than ever. So my role at CV covers a few areas. Um, one is platform, which I'll talk more deeply about, but I also manage like all of our marketing comms, you know, anything public facing, basically social, all of that um, is me. And then there's a little bit of like, what I'll just classify as kind of ops and or investor relations. So, um, you know, working with LPs and and all of that too, which will increasingly become more of a, you know, more a part of my job as we're, as, as we, as we fundraise, you know, these, these cycles, um, on the platform side, and that's where I spend the most of my time right now is platform. It's probably 50 to 60% of my time. There, there are basically four, four main buckets that, um, that I am working in. So one is talent, of course. So, you know, connecting companies to the right candidates at any given time. It is a wild, wild talent market out there. There are many venture firms that have a talent partner. There's this model, you know, you'll see basically all the all the Bay Area firms have talent partners, people who are focused just on that. And if you've ever hired before, any listeners, many of them have, like, you know that hiring is a full-time job for just, just one person, right? So it would be nearly impossible for me to hire for people across the entire portfolio. So we think think about it as like, okay, what's a product versus what's a service? Like, how do we be a little bit opportunistic in just building relationships with potential candidates in C-suite? So when the time comes for a company to hire and they come to me say, hey, we're hiring a head of growth who has, you know, consumer experience and has scaled a company from, you know, seed to series C or to whatever in revenue. Do you know anybody? We can say, yeah, actually we do. We have a relationship with a couple people that we know, we trust send them your way. So rather than like blocking and tackling talent, it's a little bit more that, which, which works, you know, fairly well. Um, that's probably the biggest piece of it. Um, next is like really where my, you know, background is, is kind of in marketing PR comms. I would say that's a little bit more consultative, a little bit more one-off where it's usually funding or an announcement. A company comes and says, Hey, we want to announce a fundraise. Like how the heck do we talk to journalists? Who do we get in front of? How do we, you know, what should our messaging be? Can you help us with this? Um, so that's where, you know, we'll I'll kind of step in and, and do a little help in partnership with the team. Um, the third is kind of, I'll just classify as, as, as BD or customer, you know, customer intros and connections. That of all of these things is, is probably the area that um, 
our entire team is working across the most, especially because, you know, we take board seats. Um, so, so, a, a, you know, the colleague of mine, the board member will, you know, know very intimately what, depending on, on the business, what the, you know, target customer pipeline looks at, and we may be partnering on some of that stuff. That is not a scalable practice at all. I've tried many times over the years and, and some firms do an okay job at it, but like, that's the toughest nut to crack. If, if you ask me, because, you know, these customer relationships can be so difficult to land, especially for a startup. Sometimes it's just like right time, right place. Um, so we've also, um, just been a little bit opportunistic about how we think about that. It's like, let's just get to know, you know, Fortune 500s um, and make sure that if we need to make introductions, we'll, we'll do it when we can. Um, now there's other instances where you start investing in one industry, you know, supply chain logistics has been, has been um, big for us the last few years. And you start to meet these customers who start to become customers across your entire portfolio. So like you can help make introductions, you know, to the same customers, right? So, so BD is kind of the, sorry, I should be counting this way, the third one. Um, and then the fourth, which I think is the most fun, probably where I spend the, the rest of my time is on what are just broadly couches community. So this idea uh, is obviously not a new one. I think VCs have like always done, you know, stuff for CEOs and you bring them together and you share best practices and you build network. Like I am a big, big, big fan of community in my personal and professional life and have found a lot of value of being part of community and different communities over the years. Um, the kind of concept here is how do we create, you know, what I was talking about before, a massive community across the portfolio where, you know, the secret is like removing myself from the middle so that it can scale a little bit so that our portfolio can help each other out. So we have like nine or so different discipline groups across the portfolio that we meet up with regularly. We have group leads. We do a lot of kind of peer learning discussion. Sometimes it's just like, let's just like get in a, you know, quote unquote room, a Zoom together and just like talk through what we're, we're struggling with right now. Um, it's really hard to quantify the success of some of that, but you, you can see it, you can feel it when you're a part of it, which, you know, I've been a part of all those conversations. So, you know, that has, has I think, been really important and, and maybe still a little bit of a differentiator that we've done versus at least um, some of our other local peers up until this point. Um, and it was really built out of like, something that I heard from founders early on, which was, this was back in 2014, which was, hey, I am, you know, managing all of the investors on my cap table. Like there are 10, there are 20 of you guys. And you're like throwing me stuff all day, every day and resources and references and things I should read and people I should meet. And that's great. But you know, who gets no love is my co-founder, you know, who is like just as important in building this business or my CMO or my CTO, they're on an island. This is a 10 person company. They really could benefit from, from tapping in. And that was a real aha moment for me is like, how do we go beyond the founder and build out, you know, connectivity and resources for everybody at every portfolio company. So anytime we, we make a new investment, I do an onboarding with a portfolio company and say, anybody, you know, founder, like you should come to this, but anybody at your company can join, you know, here's some language you can send, like, here's how you invite them to events. Here's how you get them in the Slack group, all of that. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the last piece of it. And, you know, you asked how I spend my day. It is split between any one of those like six, <laughs> six things. Right. Um, so in any given day, it's like, you know, maybe talking to a couple candidates, probably doing some like LP work, um, probably doing a little like coordination and planning around, you know, meetups, um, a lot of, a lot of introductions, right? Like we spend a lot of time just trying to figure out, you know, um, an email even like, okay, introducing who to who to, to make sure we can help, 
help each other out. Um, and then kind of managing like our comms and social and all that too, which I, I do have somebody to help me with a little bit, but um, it rolls up to me eventually. So it's all over the place, which keeps it, keeps it fun, keeps it a little spicy, you know? I was about to say, it's like you're wearing so many different hats. Um, I, I, I would love <laughs> to know a bit about these were these sort of services offered. Do they do they sort of have a um, once you guys invest at the seed and Series A level? So when companies get to like Series B, Series C, how does it? Do they start to fill out their roster of people to handle these things internally? Is there kind of a handoff that you guys make once they do get enough capital to hire people? What's sort of the life cycle of these of these services that you offer to each of your portfolio companies? Yeah, it's a great question and something that I just got real clarity around probably like three years ago or so. Um, so the way that, that I describe it to founders is, you know, we are going to be by your side doing everything we can, you know, throughout our entire relationship. But realistically, you'll be working with me through your Series A. So we invest at C generally. Um, once you raise your Series A, you're going to have another group of investors or at least one lead investor on your cap table. You're, they're going to have maybe like three of me on their team, five of me on their team who are going to be able to be more specialized and go deeper. The beauty of the role that I sit in is we also have surprise, surprise, a great community of like platform professionals around the world that I was, I was a chair of this group for, for many years. So we all know each other. And so we'll, you know, make an, uh, uh, one of these other later stage firms will make an investment in one of our companies. Great. Okay. First mark is coming in. Dan Kozakowski and I are good buddies. We're going to like coordinate on who's doing what for this portfolio company. What I say to founders is, you know, post that seed, hey, founder, I am, or post the A rather, I'm probably going to not be working with you directly as much because you're going to have other people that you're going to want to be working with maybe. However, I'm going to start working more deeply with like the rest of your team at that point. And so they stay a part of the network for a long time. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, surprised and, and flattered when series B, C companies come back to me and say, oh, Lindsay, can you help us with this? I'm like, why are you asking me? Go ask like, you know, Kleiner or whoever. Um, but, you know, I think it's it, it shows that like we put in the work early on and provide it's, it's so cliche, but like provide value early on. Um, and so they come back and ask for help later in the company's life. But they're always they're always part of the network. They're always part of the community. Um, some of our later stage companies are like still the most engaged in some of the community stuff because the teams are so big and they're still kind of hungry for kind of that network and community and connectivity. So that's that's pretty cool to see. And then you start to see this like you know, those later stage companies can kind of give, give back and, and kind of teach the earlier stage companies and founders too, as they're growing. Yeah, no, I think that makes a ton of sense. I love that anecdote about some of the early later stage companies still coming back to you guys. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, you stick with what you know, you could be with some of the biggest VCs in the world, but I don't know, they don't top what Lindsay can do over at uh, Chicago <laughs> Ventures. <laughs> I don't um, know. I think they just know I answer. Like I'm just responsive. Yeah, like, there it's... you go. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I would love to touch on Chicago blend because as I mentioned, uh, you know, before the show, I've had tons of guests, uh, who have mentioned their activity with Chicago blend and who have just kind of applauded the work that you and everyone over at Chicago blend does. So we'd love it if you could take us through the origin of it. And, and I know you're the founder, so I would love to hear kind of its origin story and, and why you, you know, decided to start it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and here's, you know, one of those other side hustles that I found myself, um, kind of managing <laughs> many hours of my week, uh, but that is so closely aligned with the day-to-day -day at Chicago Ventures, right? So like it's 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 good for everybody. So the 
origin of Chicago Blend is highly aligned with the work that I do at Chicago Ventures. Um, if you recall, like post post Me Too 2017 or so, everybody was kind of picking their head up around these questions around gender. Uh, it's like, oh, shoot, maybe we should have more women in the room. Maybe we should be getting more women involved in things. Like, Race ethnicity was not really a conversation at that point, at least like in in kind of like the broader cultural zeitgeist. Um, but a lot of it was, you know, driven by Bay Area companies and startups, you know, startups and, and tech companies, and also some VCs too, who you know were proven to have some bad actors in their ranks. So I started having a bunch of portfolio companies come to me, being like, "Oh my God, you know, we're ten people. We just raised our seed round. We're ten white guys." we're screwed. What are we going to do? You know, like kind of panic mode. And I found myself um, having to be a little bit of an expert, or at least like, just know a little bit about kind of DEI broadly. Um, you know, I happen to be a white woman. So, you know, maybe being a woman made, made people, you know, kind of open up to me and just like, ask me for advice and, and help. Um, and sort of like counseling companies on all this stuff, we ended up like, partnering with um, a law firm friend of ours to like talk about harassment and discrimination. We're just like doing little things here and there just to, again, kind of bulk up, build some best practices on the team. Um, so probably Q1 of, of 2018, I was like, you know, this is, this is great. It's good for Chicago ventures. Like <laughs> for, for many reasons, you know, we're, we're focusing on the board level too. Um, Mike Gamson from Relativity was actually a big catalyst of this for us. We've co-invested a lot with him and he came to us and he was like, Hey, let's work together to make sure that we can get more women on, on boards at our portfolio companies. And so, you know, we, we didn't do like this public facing pledge because I don't necessarily like a, agree with how a lot of those pan out, but we kind of promised internally, like anytime we have an open board seat, you know, we're obviously not going to be able to pick who that board member is, but we can certainly, you know, make sure we're presenting a roster of underrepresented candidates to our portfolio companies. So, you know, started doing that internally and kind of quickly realized we're not the only ones in town who care about this and who are thinking about this. And when it comes to diversity and DEI, like it's probably not best for the ecosystem. If just one firm is thinking seriously about it, we should it's Chicago. Like we should be more collaborative. We should figure this out together. So I brought together a group of, um, you know, a handful of other kind of like-minded VCs. I know you've had many of them on the show. Uh, and we set out to try and figure out what we should do. Uh, it was like for a year and a half, total nights and weekends, grassroots effort, grassroots effort. We decided we wanted to focus on, you know, VCs as our, as our customers, basically, <laughs> um, with a kind of secondary customer bases, the startups that they back. And just like figure out where we, where it was the most realistic for us to make an impact. I think one of the difficult things about DEI is people get so paralyzed because it's like, we are just, there's so much to change. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. And so we decided to launch with some big data collection efforts just to like figure out where the ecosystem sat, you know, um, like, oh, is there actually, you know, disparity at these, you know, at, at these levels and these roles, whatever it is. And of course, found out like, yes, you know, <laughs> turns out, yes, uh, people are not kind of equally distributed across tech and venture, especially when you look at like the backdrop of Chicago, which is a pretty, pretty um, racially and ethnically diverse city. So how can we like shift, you know, the startup and tech ecosystem to look more like the city of Chicago and the underlying like, 
or, or even, I guess, overlay like broad messages, we're doing this because A, we know it's the right thing to do. B, we know that it leads to better financial returns. Like there, there's a ton of evidence to point to the fact that like more diverse teams perform better. But C, we all believe so much in Chicago as a startup ecosystem. How can we make sure that given like, I don't want to use the word nascent because it's not, but earlier stage ecosystem than maybe some on the coast. How do we make sure that we're building best practices in these startups and venture firms today so that in 10 years, they're not turning around like a bunch of companies in the Bay were and like, oh my God, oh my God, this is this is awful. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit of a Chicago story too. It's like, let's use the strengths of Chicago to really like amp up the these, these communities that we care so much about. Um, so that was, that was 2018, you know, fast forward to today, we have an executive director in place, Joey Mack, who's incredible. He's running the day to day. We are, we decided to, to incorporate as a nonprofit, which when I started this thing, like, I thought it was just going to be like a side, you know, a side thing that we were working on. And now we're, you know, <laughs> we're 501c3, which is great, like raising money um, out kind of building programming and continuing to figure out how to serve serve the industries and, and markets that we really care about. Um, and, and I'm still, you know, very heavily involved as board chair, you know, talk to Joey multiple times a week and still he's, he's our one employee. So like he's, he's building very much too. And so we, as a board, definitely partner with him to make sure that he has some support along the way, but very grateful for him and, um, you know, the work that he's done. And if, and if people want to get, you know, more involved, um, either from an investing standpoint or, or join what's, what's kind of the process, uh, over there. Yeah, so um, there's a couple ways to sign up, chicagoblend.org, chicagoblend.org, yeah. Um, there are uh, a few ways that people can get involved. If you are a venture firm, and you know, I think you know this, Manifold is a sponsor, so thank you for your sponsorship. If you're a venture firm, you know, or any corporation for that matter, you know, we love we love sponsorship, right? We're not we're a nonprofit, so that's what's keeping the lights on. Um, so that's that's one way if if folks are so inclined. Another is to join up as a supporter, which a VC supporter, which um, you know at this point kind of means you know you're going to agree to be a mouthpiece, be an advocate for us to share out you know information that we are sharing with you. You're going to agree to collect um, to collect data from your portfolio companies. And we're trying to, you know, decide what that's going to look like moving forward. If you're just like somebody in the community who's interested in keeping up on what's going on, you can sign up for the mailing list. We're doing some events here and there. Um, so, you know, you'll keep, you'll be kept up to speed about that. And then, you know, finally, the one initiative that we've been working on is this thing called the blend list, which was effectively trying to eliminate the excuse of, yeah, I'm, you know, I have an open board seat. I want somebody who's underrepresented, but like, I don't know any black board candidates. I don't know any women board candidates. So the idea is we're just going to create some visibility. Like we're not a placement firm. We're not going to recruit somebody for you, but guess what? Here are 110 candidates, you know, take your pick. So, um, you know, we take nominations for that. You can self-nominate, you can nominate somebody, you know, we're starting to do some like networking lunches around, uh, around that and really just like board kind of board readiness and visibility. So, um, you know, that's another way to get involved there. There are, there are many. That's awesome. It's such a cool story too, of, of how it sort of originated, um, out of kind of that, you know, cultural reckoning that it feels like a lot of industries were going through, um, you know, three or four years ago and seeing how it's grown today. And, you know, I, I feel like, uh, it must be a shock to look at it today and see where it is and 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 where it started. I mean, does it still start you'll sometimes to just see how involved people in the Chicago community have have become and how people have sort of, you know, responded to it? 
Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been great. I'm not too surprised because Chicago community is very collaborative. Um, so I'm, you know, not surprised by like the amount of interest and participation that we've gotten. I think the thing that's been interesting, especially in the last like 18 months since COVID is the other similar initiatives that have popped up that we have been able to partner with or, you know, collaborate with just to make sure that we're not stepping on each other's toes. And so one thing we've been very cautious of is like, we don't want to be doing the same thing that another organization is doing. And so we've, you know, we, we have calls with these other orgs and groups and, and, you know, different unique funding models that are popping up all the time, just to make sure we can like work together because we don't need to compete with each other. Right. So um, I think that's been surprising in some respects is that there's um, there's just so much momentum around conceptually like, oh, we should be thinking about DEI more broadly um, and just being intentional about it, which, you know, we we weren't always. I I would love to sort of um, touch on near the near the end. Uh, you mentioned you know it's, you're somebody who's always been bullish on Chicago, um, not just as a you know tech ecosystem, but as a place where really exciting people things are happening and 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 really interesting you know people are working here. Um, you know what's what's kind of your prognosis for the tech ecosystem though specifically uh, for the next couple of years here in Chicago? Um, you know are are you still as bullish as you were you know a few years ago, ten years ago, and any things that you know you think um, could be just risks to Chicago's growth in the future? Yeah. Um, answer to your first question is, yeah, I'm still bullish. I think Chicago is a great place to live and people want to be here. Um, you know, it's great. All the, all the talking points from like, you know, the, the, the local government, like great, great place, great restaurants, you know, great beachfront, great lake, great neighborhoods, great cost of living, all of those things. Um, but there's also so many opportunities that um, to, to create like a diverse life broadly that I don't think people have as much exposure to maybe in other cities. And so um, I was talking to somebody the other day that just moved here from she'd been in New York in the Bay Area. And she's like, hey, you know, it's just it's all consuming, um, at least when you're in the Bay Area, like tech and venture tech and venture startups, it's kind of all consuming when you're in Chicago, you have exposure to so many different ways to spend your time, which I think is beneficial to all of us. Like I mentioned, some nonprofits at one point, I've been a part of like, being a part of other groups and organizations that are not just tech and venture is very additive to me personally and professionally. So, um, you know, I think that's something that Chicago Chicago offers. I think, you know, we're, this is no surprise to anybody, but you're starting to see this flywheel take hold. We have what, like so many unicorns in Chicago this year. There's six in our portfolio alone. They're not all in Chicago, but many of them are, um, you know, World Business Chicago is tracking that. They put out their like unicorn graphic every time there's a new one. Uh, you can either argue whether like being a unicorn really means anything anymore, but I still think it's a nice stamp of approval that, oh, this is actually to start, you know, starting to work. I don't think you can like put that toothpaste back in the tube. It's, it's working. Companies are growing and hiring and, and having success and they're going to reach exit at some point and spin out employees that, you know, have, uh, you know, have options and are able to maybe, you know, make a little bit of money and go start their own thing. So it's kind of the same thesis is, is what we do with the, the platform stuff at CB is like, you start to build this network and start to see successes and you can tap into it. It just takes a while. Uh, so I think that's where we are. Yeah. That's where we are with Chicago. Um, you know, you asked about risks. I think like, like any startup ecosystem, like 
making sure all the ingredients are kind of here and in place and balanced. We have them all. I think it's it's been harder for like, you know, the big corporates maybe to get engaged. I know there've been a lot of initiatives and, um, you know, 1871 has been a catalyst for some of this. They've been doing some great work there too, to make sure that, that big corporates can get in front of startups. But I think encouraging like larger companies to, you know, maybe take on a little bit more risk in working with startups um, because we have 30 plus Fortune 500s here. Like there's no reason that they shouldn't be engaging with early stage companies. So I think that's the one thing that that the city can kind of keep working on and, and pushing. Um, and I think like entrepreneurship in all pockets of the city, rather than just, you know, just kind of focusing on River North or, or whatever it is, is increasing, but it's something we should keep an eye on too. Um, you know, South and West sides, like there's, Again, a lot of, you know, more money than there was kind of flowing to other neighborhoods in the city that I think will pay off in the long run. But I hope that that continues over the coming years. Yeah, no, I think you hit on a lot of really interesting points and especially the sort of neighborhood aspect of it. Um, no one's really talked about that. And uh, you're right, there, there's such a you know diverse mix of corporations in the city. And I think that's only a good thing. And I think as they continue to sort of come along and become more engaged in the early you know stage ecosystem, um, I, that, that's you know beneficial for everybody. Um, Lindsay, thank you so much for hopping on. I do have to ask before I let you go, um, you know, we besides Chicago Bagel, besides CBA, any favorite Chicago restaurants that you want to give a shout out to? My gosh, that's such a hard question. That's all Chicagoans do is go out to eat. Like, you know, that's that's the thing to do. It's like, what do you do in Chicago? Oh, we like we we go out and eat and drink. That's the thing. Um I'll give a, a plug for one of my favorites. Actually, it's at a venue that I got married at a few years back, um, Dusix in Pilsen. If you are familiar with Dusix, it's a it's a Michelin star restaurant, but like not super fancy. It's um, you know, it's like kind of rustic, awesome, awesome spot. It's in this old building. It's modeled after the Prague Opera House. Um, Talia Hall is like the concert venue there, and then there's a couple really cool um, you know, bars like cocktail lounges in the kind of ground floor. So yeah, I got married at Talia Hall a couple years ago, it was just back at Dusix and just just like love the atmosphere and the vibe and the food is very good so if anybody's looking for a pilsen um you know a way to explore pilsen that's a great place to start wow people people must have loved that wedding people were eating good at oh my that gosh. wedding i bet it was a it was a party like one of our guests said you know this isn't like a wedding it's a fan it's like a fancy concert <laughs> so yeah it was it was pretty fun <laughs> Lindsay, thank you so much for hopping on Chicago Capital. This is truly a blast and an honor. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time. I know everybody appreciates all the work you've done with Chicago Blend um, and all the work you do at CV for your portfolio company. So thank you so much for hopping on. And uh, we can't la- we can't look for we can't wait to have you on again in the future. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me, Matt. It was great chatting.